Roger. A wonderful reminder here at Christmas time that while we think of baby Jesus, we must also remember that he is the great I am, and that's what we are truly celebrating. Let us pray. Lord, as we come to the portion of the service where your word is to be read, we ask that your Holy Spirit will infuse these words with power from heaven, that these words will touch us, that they will move on our hearts, that they will reveal your truth and your wisdom to us. Lord, we ask that you clear away any distractions that compete for our attention, that you clear away any any thoughts that gather in our minds that, that will distract us from you. And we ask that you open us, open our hearts, open wide the windows to our souls so that we can let your light in, so that you can shine on us this morning, your truth, your gospel message. Bless this time that we have here as we wait for you. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Please stand if you are able for the reading of the word. Our scripture lesson today comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 through 13. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And, I have, and if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three. But the greatest of these is love. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. This is our final week of Advent, a season of preparation, a season of hope and expectation, a season of of longing. And as we've lit the candle each week, we've talked about a theme, that each candle represents something, some sort of emotion or something that that we experience during the season. We've talked about hope and joy and peace, but today we are talking about love, which is the greatest of all of these things. When we consider Christmas and what it truly means, 
that God broke through, that he came from the, the world unseen into our world, into this physical dimension, we have to understand that he did it with love. It wasn't enough for him just to come and be here and dwell among us. He had to do it with love. And as I told the children, one of the most famous verses in the Bible, John 3.16, says, For God so loved the world, he gave his only Son. That is why we have Christmas, because of the love that God has for all of us. As we've been going through Advent season, we've also been looking at at this movie, It's a Wonderful Life. And we've been talking about a different character each week and what that character can teach us. And I know last week we talked about George Bailey, who is the main character, the protagonist of the film. And so you're probably thinking, well, what else is left to talk about? But this week we're going to talk about someone who I think is actually the most important character in the whole film. And that's his wife, Mary Hatch, or after she married him, Mary Bailey. There's a saying that behind every good man there's a woman. I think the saying should be behind every good man there's a greater woman. <laughs> but in, in it's, it's a wonderful life. George Bailey had that great woman behind him. And she was great because of the way she loved, not just him, but everybody. She loved her community. She loved her children. She loved everyone she came in contact with. And you see that throughout the whole film. Her love was one of deep commitment. Early in the film, you see uh, George Bailey working in the drugstore when they're, they're children. And he's deaf in one ear. And he leans down and she whispers into his deaf ear, George Bailey, I love you till the day I die. That was a promise that she kept. She was committed to that love. Even years later, when she was 18 years old and saw him at the high school dance, she still felt the same way, even though they hadn't seen each other for a long, long time. Her love was one that was long-lasting. And in a world where we get quick fixes and and instant uh, messages and instant communication, it's comforting to know that anything can be long-lasting. I remember the extra chewing gum commercials that used to say extra last, extra long. A promise that this gum will outlast all of the others. When we talk about medicine, taking uh, pain relief, we want something that lasts a long time. We don't want to have to go right back and take more of it. Jerry Seinfeld had a bit one time where he talked about medicine that was long lasting and then medicine that was fast acting. And he said, which one do you want? Do you want to feel better now or do you want to feel better later? The truth is we, we want and we need both when it comes to love. We need a love that can meet our needs in the moment, but also a love that we know will be consistent, that will stay with us. And when we look at Mary Bailey in this film, we see that, that that's how her love was. She could love you right where you were at that point in time, but she wasn't going anywhere. Her love was long-lasting. She also loved through thick and thin. She loved during the good times, and she loved when they were going through the hard times. Her love was unselfish. When they were on their honeymoon, they had a handful of cash that they were going to use to travel the world, and when the building and loan was about to go under and everybody was, was demanding their money because there was a run on the bank, she pulled that money out and started giving it away to people. Her love was unselfish. She also had the ability to love people 
where they were despite their flaws and to see potential in them. This is obvious with her husband. You see he's a very generous person, a very gracious person who lives to help other people, but he's very flawed. He's very temperamental. He, has, he, he, he does a lot of pouting throughout the movie, you can see, but she loves him anyway. But you see it in other ways in her character. With the old house that he, that he threw a rock in, that he said, that old house is old, haunted, throw a rock in it and make a wish. She said, please don't do that. It's a beautiful house. She didn't see it the way he saw it. She saw the potential that was in it. And one day she would, she would get that house and she would fix it up and she would make it a home for her family because she knew how to love something that other people thought was worthless. So when we talk about Mary Bailey or when we watch this movie, how do we apply that to us? I know when, when a man watches a movie, he's not usually looking at, at one of the supporting characters, uh, particularly a woman character, and thinking, how can I be more like her? Uh, in the same way that, that women probably don't relate to male characters too often. But we can all pull lessons from Mary Bailey because the, the love that she had throughout the film was a Christ-like type of love. It was the kind of love that all followers of Christ should strive for because like Mary Bailey followers of Christ must love unconditionally we can't let frustration limit our love we all have people in our life that we love but then they try our patience or they do things to let us down and sometimes we just want to give up on them we want to throw in the towel or maybe we have people in our life that we don't necessarily love but they just frustrate us And so we don't even bother to meet them where they are. We don't even bother to reach out to love because they frustrate us so much. But true love is patient. And this passage that we just read from 1 Corinthians, that's the first thing that Paul says about love. This passage is read often at weddings. Every wedding that I've done, they have asked me to read this passage. And it's a wonderful passage for weddings because it tells you what true love looks like. And when Paul is rattling off that list, love is this, love is that, the first thing he says is it's patient. And then he ends by saying it endures all things. You see, true love is not conditional. It continues. A person who offers true love offers it through the thick times, through the thin times, and they offer it even when they are frustrated. And if you don't believe that, look at how God loves us. Look at what Christmas means. It means that after he created the world and he created humanity and placed them in a wonderful garden to live in, and then they rebelled against him. And after he spared Noah and his family through the flood, they continued to rebel against him. And and after that, when he gave them judges and kings, when he spoke to them through prophets... When he delivered Israel from slavery to Egypt, they continued to rebel against him. They continued to reject him. But even through it all, he continued to love so much that he eventually just broke through and sent his son to be here among us. Think of how frustrated God must have been with humanity. But he continued to love us anyway. Followers of Christ must also love sacrificially. 
Whenever you give someone or, or something or you do something for someone that you care about, it feels good. You don't really count the cost like you would in other circumstances or other situations. I know whenever I do something kind for my children or give them something, I never make a mental note in my mind of, okay, well, you know, they're, they're going to owe me this much one day when they repay me for this. I'm glad to do this for them. I'm glad to sacrifice for them because I love them and I care about them. And we all have people in our lives that, that we care about, that we love, and that we would gladly sacrifice for, we would gladly be there for without counting the cost. But the trick is to love sacrificially even those people that it's more difficult to do that for. To find more people in our life to give for selflessly, relentlessly, and tirelessly. Paul says love does not boast. That means love doesn't want credit. It doesn't want anything back. And that, the perfect indication of that is the first Christmas when God so loved the world that he gave his son. There's nothing we could ever do to repay God for that. He gave us the ultimate gift because his love was so strong and so powerful. All we can do is receive it and then love others with the same love. It says God so loved the world. It doesn't say God so loved the people of Israel. It doesn't say God so loved the people who obey him. God so loved the people who would eventually come around to accepting him. It says God loved the world. He gave his son for the whole world. And if he loved the whole world, then we must too. Now, I know that's hard sometimes. But as followers of Christ are supposed to love sacrificially, they're also supposed to be able to recognize worth in others. And that doesn't mean we go around looking for people to fix. But it means that we see people for who they are and we recognize the worth that God put there in them. Just as Mary Bailey looked at that house and said, it's a lovely home. And she knew that she could make it into something beautiful because she saw it as beautiful. When George Bailey said, oh, that old home, that haunted place, she said, oh, it's a lovely home. She didn't see it the same way he did. Claire watches this show on HGTV, Fixer Upper, where uh, Chip and, and Joe Gaines, they, they find these old houses and, and they fix them up and you won't even recognize them when they're done. But the, the thing about it is whenever they go to these old houses, whenever they're showing these old houses or these tacky houses or, or just run-down looking, sometimes even dilapidated houses, whenever they're showing them to a client, they never walk around and say, well, this looks terrible, and, and as you can see, this right here is bad. They walk around, and they, they, they see all the positive things about the house. And they see all the, the ways that the house has a beauty that can come out. They see the potential in it. And that's what they notice, that's what they highlight, and that's what they work to bring out. Just as Mary Bailey did with the house that she, she bought, and, and it's a wonderful life. And that's what God has done with each of us. He sees the potential in us as his children. And with his love, he tries to bring that out. And so if we're to share that, other, that love with other people, we also have to be able to recognize the potential that each one of us holds. We must learn how to love if we are going to be Christ-like. The word Christian means little Christ. We are God's representatives. We are Christ's representatives in the world. And if we're going to claim to be a Christian, we have to love. Because a Christian without love 
is not a Christian at all. Paul says it's like a clanging cymbal. Now that illustration might be lost on some of you, but I'll, I'll describe how it is. When I was in a band several years ago, we weren't very good at the time, and, and we thought we were, but we decided that we were going to scrounge up our money and go record a demo. And we found this guy in Columbus who had a studio that he ran out of a storage unit. And we rounded up, I, I don't know, five, $600, and, and we took it to him and said, we want to record a few songs, we want you to record them for us. And now this guy um, put a microphone about this far from the hi-hats on the drum set. The hi-hats are the little cymbals off to the side of, of the snare drum. And he put a microphone right on it. And so we played, we, we worked on it for, you know, three or four days just recording these songs over and over again. And then he cut it, he put it on a disc, and he gave it back to us. And we were so excited. Um, and we, we get back home and we listen to it. And all you could hear through the whole recording was... Just drowning everything else out. Just ruined the whole demo, ruined the music. That's what a clanging symbol is. And that's what Paul is talking about when he says a Christian who does not love is like a clanging symbol. They ruin everything. You can't, you can't understand their purpose, the point. You can't notice all the good things around them because they are so obnoxious with their faith. There's no love to it. And it's inauthentic. It destroys Christianity. It destroys the church. It destroys the witness. It destroys the message of Christ, which is what God wants us to pass on, a message of love. When Billy Graham was talking about this, uh, this passage that, that Paul wrote, he put it another way. He said, suppose I could speak with the oratory of William Jennings Bryan. Suppose I could speak with cryptic language like Churchill. Suppose I could speak with the power of Roosevelt in which he would sway an entire nation. Suppose I could sing opera like Enrico Caruso. Suppose I had a thousand tongues that could speak a thousand languages all at the same time. All that is nothing, and I am nothing, unless I have this divine, supernatural love that God gives. And that love is supernatural. It's not anything we can muster up within ourselves. Only God can give it. And that's why we can't just begrudgingly say, okay, I have to love everybody. It doesn't work that way. If we are having trouble loving someone, we pray that God will help us to love more. That has never failed in all of my life. Anytime I have had problems loving someone, if I've prayed sincerely, God, help me love that person. He'll do it. He will help you love in a way that you didn't even realize you could. Because it's not your love anymore. It's not something you're doing. He is putting that love in you. He is putting his, his character in you. He is, he is developing in you traits that he has. And when we talk about Christmas, Christ coming to earth, Christ dwelling among us, what we're really talking about is Christ being born within us. As well, You see, we say, Emmanuel, God is with us, but God is, is in here. He is born in here so that he can show others how he is part of this world, how he is moving and living and acting through us. Emmanuel means that God has come to help us, 
It means that he's come to comfort us, heal us, deliver us, but it also means that he's come to shape us. Because like Mary Bailey, when she saw that house, God recognizes that there's potential in each one of us. That's why he wants to redeem us. He, he longs to restore us. And if we allow him to do that, we'll also begin to see each other as worthy of being loved. We'll be moved to love unconditionally and sacrificially the way God loves. His love is a love that's so powerful. He gave his son to be born in a manger and to die on a cross for us. All the other Christmas stuff, even all the other themes of Advent, they're meaningless without love. Let us pray. Lord, first of all, we we thank you for the love you have shown us, for the amazing love that you've extended to us. The love that you showed the whole world, not just us, but the whole world when you sent your Son. Thank you. We confess to you that we have not loved others nearly as often as we should, nearly as well as we could. So, Lord, we ask that you give us your love. Help us to love others with your love so that they can see you in us in this season and in every season. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.